The Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? It's going to be one of those days. We're going to talk about cannibalism today. <laughs> yeah, in a roundabout way, I think you're right. <laughs> Not really, but although we do have a story of someone almost getting eaten alive. Mm-hmm. So it kind of works. Right, that's what I was thinking. There you go. So we're Joe versus the volcano or something today. <laughs> oh, good show. So I'm over here. Lou's over there. Hello. And we're here to tell you that the truth is never offensive, even if you're offended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love how I say these every week, and, and all I can see is Lou thinking like... I'm processing Yeah, that like one. that. I think that made sense. Yeah, that did make sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey. All right. What do you know about that? We, we are going to have some fun today. We are going to... We're going to cancel somebody today. Oh boy. Or are we going to uncancel somebody? I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure either. We'll see where this one lands. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. We don't even know where we're going. Yep. So get on in. We're driving down the highway. Where we go, we have no idea. Yep. We're like the musical chairs of Destination of, of podcasting. So, all right. What are we talking about? We are talking about John chapter 6. The, um, the first canceling. <laughs> right. This is when the angry mob tried to cancel Jesus. Yep. There they were go. like, no. No savior for you. so the jews are arguing why because jesus has laid out another one of his i am statements and has pointed out that salvation and sustenance should come where from god not from you not from your law but from god so they're arguing how can this man give us his flesh to eat because they are like my children apparently and when you know jesus says that he is the true bread they're like how are we going to eat this dude is that okay? Is that kosher? Oh, that's funny. Like, do you have to prepare a person? Like, could the Donner Party have been kosher? Here's the question of the day. If they had prepared the meal rightly, would it have been all right? I mean, technically, the tour guide doesn't divide the hoof nor chew the cud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm leaving. I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not. That's so, funny. you know, is, is there a way? Is there enough barbecue sauce to make that okay? Uh, is there enough hot sauce to make that okay? Is there enough blindfolds? <laughs> <laughs> so, no. No, that is not what we're talking about. That's not what Jesus was talking about, but that's mm. what apparently the crowd thought. Right. So Jesus said to them, after he should have called them dullards and told them to open their brains up, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. So this, this escalates real quickly. Jesus doesn't try to correct their misapprehension of what he is saying. Instead, he doubles down. But notice he doubles down in apocalyptically prophetic ways. I think that's a good way to put that, actually. Sure, sure. Anytime you hear Son of Man in the New Testament, Jesus is, yeah, I, think I think we Daniel. could argue, Jesus' favorite de- uh, declaration of himself. I think I he think calls so. himself Son of Man more than he does any other title. Mm. Um, you should immediately have red, you know, red alarms going on. You know, where, where, where? You should sound like European police cars, you know? That annoying, that obnoxious annoying, yeah. sound. But yeah. I like that because you immediately know it's a police car. It's not like they're driving around in red Camaros trying to track, trap you. Oh. And that's a thing that I've seen in South Carolina. Really? Yes, red Camaro sports car state troopers. Nice. Yeah, because they're here to protect and serve. <laughs> and trap. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and trap and catch, right? Yep. So, no. 
you should immediately have bells and alarms and a whistles going off saying, hey, that's a Daniel thing. This, um, this one like a son of man approaching God and receiving authority and power from God. You should also be thinking about another prophet. This is Ezekiel. What is the entirety of the book of Ezekiel about? It's comfort in exile. Reminder that it is not the temple in Jerusalem or the land of Israel that is the promise. It is God and his redemption of those people. It is he who brings to life. That's where you get the, the valley of dry bones. That's where you get the, the picture of the glory of the Lord leaving the temple, but you have the sacrifices in the eschaton at the end of the book. So it's a reminder that it's not about Jerusalem here, people. It's about God. And Ezekiel is constantly called son of man. Yeah. That declaration that you're supposed to be instructing and teaching. So Jesus using this should be, should be setting off bells for the people going, okay, no, no, you think you don't understand this. Well, let me help you out. Unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood, you have nothing. You have no life. So that should immediately take them back to those prophetic utterances, reminding them of what? That it is God who delivers, God who redeems, and God who secures. So what Jesus is really telling them is, where's your life going to be found? Mm. In my body and in my blood. Again, we're the, the entirety of Jesus' ministry, to get you to stop thinking about you, to get you to start thinking about God, and to get you to stop thinking about your life in terms of earthly principles, and to start thinking about them in terms of biblical and heavenly principles. So he continues on. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Why might that be so? For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So just in case, because you know, this is one of those perks of public speaking. Something we don't get doing this. This is why I use loose facial expressions, because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when you're talking to a group, though, you can tell when all of a sudden they'll look at you like, excuse me? Yeah. They'll give you the rock-raised eyebrow, like, what was, you don't run that by me again? You, you get that advantage. You don't always have that, you know, like when you're on the phone or, you know, if you're doing like what we're doing right now. We have to assume we're making sense, which is probably a dangerous assumption on our part. It is. Do you understand the words that are coming out of your yeah, mouth? Yeah, we, we see Christianese <laughs> all the time, don't we? Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. <laughs> My kids just watched that movie the other day and laughed hysterically at Jackie Chan falling over, so. <laughs> that was a cute movie. So, Jesus, just in case, because you know he's getting the raised eyebrows and the, what you talking about, Willis' face going on here. So, he's, he's now defined it, though. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. That's part of this definition. This reminder that this is about a following. This is about walking with and in something. So, there's an identity here. There's a, there's a connection to the work that Christ will do. And in the person that he is, which should stand again in fulfillment. Always remember this. Always, always, always remember this. The big problem of first century Israel religious life, excuse me, excuse me again, was that most of the people had missed it. They were no longer looking for that right biblical fulfillment. They were looking for the fulfillment as they defined it in worldly terms. They were looking for that fulfillment as they defined it for Israel, in the land, with the temple. They're still looking for a fulfillment. They're not looking for the fulfillment because the fulfillment has been defined wrongly. That's important. Right. They, They were looking, they didn't recognize the Messiah, although there were various groups that, that commented on, on what the prophets had said and some 
some saw suffering servant, but they were really, they were subjugated, so they were looking for the conquering king, David. Yes. They redefined what that king was supposed to rescue right, them from. Right, right. They, they, they broke the connection to the prophet, to the sacrifice, to the seed. That's why when you read your Old Testament, reading those things in line is so important, because it keeps you focused on the right thing. Mm-hmm. And remember, this chapter 6 comes on the heels of all those testimonies Jesus has given in chapter 5. Right. Where's life found? Mm-hmm. Not in the scriptures. In him, because the scriptures point to him who is life. Right. Miss that, you miss everything. So, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, as he who eats of me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Yeah, notice how he brings it all the way back to what he started saying in 41, mm-hmm. talking about he was the bread that came down, the manna. Yeah, the manna was not the sustenance of Israel. Right. God, God was. was. Yeah. I, the example I always like to use is this, the ark. Mm-hmm. Not, not the covenant ark, but the boat ark. Mm-hmm. So there's a song that, that I can't think of right now, that, and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Noah, Bodie, Bodie, Noe, so there's, anyway, it's a weird I children's song. Yeah. yeah, don't worry about it. I've heard it like twice, and it's just dumb enough that it's stuck in my head. But Got someone it. out there is singing it yeah, right, right now. now. <laughs> yeah, they know what we're talking about. Yeah, I learned one. that when I was seven. I hate you for making me remember. Right. <laughs> you are welcome. No, I always use the ark as an example. As well-constructed as it may have been, as brilliant as Noah may have been, would you want to go into a worldwide flood on that puppy? No rudder, no nothing? <laughs> yeah, no, you'd be like, no. we're in, we're good. Yeah. We got a wind sail in the back made of wood. What could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, pitch and all of that stuff. I just don't it's, know. I don't think he had a concept for what he was in for, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think I would have wanted to get it's, on that boat. I mean, I know it was probably really well made. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, God gave him the... And I and I, I get all that, but it, when you read the description and the work, it sounds like, like an eighth grade science project. Oh, boy. Like, I just picture, like, paper mache, and you're, like, just slapping stuff. I mean, I know that's not how it went down, but that's yeah. just always the picture that's in my brain. And Noah wasn't a boat builder before all of this. Uh, not, not typically, so... Uh, <clears throat> so would you want to go through the flood, a global catastrophe in that boat, regardless of how well-built it is. No, I'm no, with you. No, no, with no you. not yeah. the least. The yeah. boat wasn't even good. There's no chance that boat makes it without God. Oh, yeah. So the boat yeah. doesn't save Noah. God saves Noah. Now, does he save him through the ark? Yes. Who saves the children of the Israelites on the Passover? God. God does. He yeah. saves them through the lamb. Mm-hmm. Who preserves Israel in the wilderness? God does. He does so through the manna. Miraculously at that. I yes. Man, I tell you. Jesus is drawing this connection now. Mm-hmm. You want salvation, which means you should be calling out to who? God. Right. Not for an ark. Not for a lamb. Not for manna. Not for quail, not for a parting in the sea. You should be calling out for God. Well, and that's what brought God in the Exodus. I've heard the groanings of my people. Yes. And then the breakdown becomes they complain, and they fail to realize. And, the, and then again, what, comes, what happens through the history? What's the tendency of man? We start to give credit to the wrong thing in the wrong place. Yeah, and, you the can golden see, and you can see Jesus answering that here. Yeah, yeah. It, this is not about Moses giving your people bread. This is about God providing for his people whom he has redeemed. 
How does that work? By trusting and calling out to God. What is Jesus claiming for himself when he says, son of man, take of my body? Mm -hmm. This is the connection to the messianic prophetic titles, and it's a fulfillment of the promised sacrifice. You need to partake of my body. You need to partake of the sacrifice. What were you supposed to do with the lamb? supposed to eat right partake right it's, it's all Be symbolic one. language yes and he was the lamb slain before yes. the foundation of the world and john behold the lamb of god who comes to take away the notice sin. that's in this book that's right. the kickoff to the ministry yeah. re- john does an excellent job of building his themes throughout i encourage you you can read you can read the entire gospel of john if even if you're a slow reader in mm-hmm. like less than a couple hours right if you're a fast reader you can you can plow through it in like 45 minutes mm-hmm. so i mean i encourage you to actually read through it in its entirety and actually see how john builds and develops the themes and, and keeps the the cur- the recurring narrative together but that's part of what's going on here is is jesus isn't just connecting back to the events of john the baptist he's connecting back to the events of the garden right. to the events of the flood to the passover he's connecting to all of those things and bringing them full circle in fulfillment where in him. Now, is he doing it in the most polite way humanly possible? Not really. No. Is he doing it in an easy way? No. Not really. He's, he's specifically no. challenging them so that they have to stop and go, wait a minute. They have to evaluate. You ready? You ready for the technical terms of the day? They have to evaluate their zeitgeist, their world situation how they see the world, and they're being confronted with the way they see the world mm-hmm. and whether or not their understanding of the law, the sacrifices, the Messiah, the work of God, whether or not those things are rightly understood and applied in their own minds. And Jesus is not giving them another option. No, This is going to be important for later on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> He's not giving them an out. You must deal with this. He, this is the um who is it that coined it? Is it Josh McDowell? The um the liar, the lunatic. Oh, there's another one and it's alliteration. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's liar, lunatic, or um Oh, what is that? Here's ready for the here's the dead air as we think. Um <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember. I know who you're talking. I yeah. know what he said. I just can't but, remember but that, the last but this part. Is, but yeah, this yeah. is where this is important. Jesus <clears throat> is either exactly who he says he is or you need to go get some stones and take him outside the city and take care of some business here because he's not giving you another option. This is cultural engagement 101 for the Christian. Your, pres- your job is to present Christ in such a way that there's not another option. Right. And, I, and that's not always clean and neat and easy. I mean, their argument is, what do you mean we got to eat your flesh? Oh, that's confusing to you. Well, let me help you out with that. Eat it or die. <laughs> well, there's prohibitions uh, in the law to drinking blood and, and, and all of that stuff, and they know that they're not to eat people. I mean, say, they completely miss the mark. Oh, on... they do because they're not thinking yeah. in messianic terms. And Jesus' answer isn't to make it easy for them. It's to continually— no, I think it was purposeful. It's yeah. continually challenging yeah. them and pushing them at their cultural points. Right. Because I guarantee you there's somebody in the crowd going— this loon is over here talking about us carving him up like a Passover lamb. What is wrong with this dude? You hear what you just said, Exactly. Yeah. Not even processing yeah. Yeah. because they're—now, why would that be the case? Because they're so deluded by the cultural surrounding 
that they can't even think about it. They're so busy, burn the witch, yeah. that they can't even process. They don't see the symbolism no, in, in what th- he's saying. This is what it looks like to miss the forest for the trees. Right. He is the true Passover <laughs> lamb, even before there was a Passover. He Agreed. was the lamb slain yes. before the foundation. So there, th- I guarantee you there's somebody in that crowd having that argument with themselves, right. you know, talking about that. And while there's somebody else in the crowd going, we would never read of your body. This is ridiculous. How can we kill you? What kind of sacrifice do you think you would be? Well, I don't know. How would this son of man actually have a redeemed people? How and why would he have authority from God? I mean, no offense, the prophets told you. Why would the son of man of Daniel 7 have authority and standing before God? Could it possibly be because he is the sacrifice of the servant of Isaiah 53? Mm. See, this is where, again, you have to read in context. This is why we've told you before. 66 books, 40-plus authors, 1,600 years what, three languages, uh, two or three continents, one message. Yeah. And you have to be able to put this together. What would this abiding in the blood and body look like? Would this maybe the, be the ushering in of a new covenant, Jeremiah? <laughs> right. See, <clears throat> excuse me. All of this prophetic testimony is being fulfilled, and Jesus is not giving them an off-ramp. He is purposely just like planting a flag and being like, no, you must deal with this hard thing. And I will challenge your cultural understanding by attacking your cultural understanding and using it rightly so that you will understand the truth. Yeah. So what's the fallout? Yeah, yeah. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now let's stop for a second. This is important. How many people is a synagogue designed for on average? Uh, I guess it depends on big the, how big the city is, but in order to have a synagogue, you have to have a minion, which is 10 men. Now, would you build a synagogue for 5,000 people in this culture? I don't think so. No. no. Now, Jesus is being followed around by crowds. Oh, sure. So if he's teaching in the synagogue, oh, the, the, standing pe- room. the people in the crowds outside are hearing all of this second and third hand. You know that's a train wreck. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So primarily, yeah. who is Jesus talking to? Who's hearing this firsthand? Who's arguing with him? Well, I don't know who's arguing with him, but his disciples are hearing this. His disciples are hearing this. Yeah. People who are the closest followers. Yeah. And then the religious elite of the day. Right. Leaders in the synagogue, scribes, Pharisees. Well, a lot of them got, dis- well, as we're going to probably read here, they, they got disgusted and left. Yeah, but my point would be yeah. why. And that's because, my point is this. Would you, it was hard to understand. They didn't com- comprehend. Because of the argument that we're, the, the, well, not the argument, the discussion that we're having about how would they be understanding this from their perspective. And the reason I make this, I'm making this little quick little off-ramp discussion point is we're not just talking about Joe Blow, you know, works and mending the nets for, you know, Bob's fishery on the Sea of Galilee. Now, is he in the crowd listening in? Sure. Is he capable of thinking through and understanding this? Absolutely. The people who are closest who are arguing and standing around are the people who should have, should have the best handle on understanding and application of the Old Testament. They're the people who should have the best understanding of the work of God and how it's going to be fulfilled. They're the ones who should be able to make these connections, you know, in real time as they're being done. It's almost like when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, are you a teacher in Israel and you don't get these things? Yeah, that's one of the things that came to my mind about, you know, being, lest he be born again. Uh Can a man enter his mother's womb a second time? It's like, seriously, dude? Seriously? That's what you want to go with? Yeah, it it went right over his head. And it's the same thing with this 
with what he's saying here. It's all symbolic language. Now, this is this is why I love the Sermon on the Mount, because this is where I think people get the Sermon on the Mount wrong, is the Sermon on the Mount has the same understanding. Is Jesus talking to the crowd at large? Secondarily, yes. The beginning of the Sermon on the Mount is him talking to his disciples. Mm-hmm. And what is he doing there? Raising their vision, mm-hmm. raising their sight, getting their eyes off of themselves, getting their eyes off of their cultural understandings, and putting them back to a biblical basis. That's why there's that constant hammering. You have heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. You looked at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. Mm-hmm. In other words, not about how you understand it, but what it really means. The truth and the majesty of God behind the law. The totality of your life lived as a sacrifice. That's why you get the warnings of, don't, don't, those who say to me, Lord, Lord, not everybody's going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Cut off your hand, cast out your eye, be careful about how you judge, work with your brother. All of these things are part of that sermon. Rid yourself of anxiety, trust in God, because these things are all about pulling your eyes off of you, mm-hmm. getting you out of your own little stew and getting you to think in big terms, big mm-hmm. pictures. Jesus is doing the same thing here. So as that's going on, therefore, so based on everything that Jesus has said, Many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? (sighs) But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them. So here you go. Jesus, realizing that they're having a hard time with this, says this. Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Ah, my screen just went blank. There we go. <laughs> the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they who they were who did not believe, and it was and who it was that would betray him. <coughs> so there's his clarification. Right. He was he was weeding out those who he knew didn't really believe. They were just there for the ride, it seemed. Yeah. But his, I love that the clarification is the same point, just again focused where. On God. Mm -hmm. The life is in the bread, the body and blood of me. The life is in the spirit. Mm -hmm. In other words, none of this is new. You, as again, as he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You've got to be changed, transformed. Wasn't that what David cried out for? Create in me a clean heart. Yeah, a clean heart, oh God. Renew me. To the, stat, to the place that I had? Mm-hmm. Isn't this the thing that Paul's quoting out of Psalms? Blessed is the man whose, Lord that, uh, whose transgression the Lord doesn't impute. Mm-hmm. In other words, God overlooking, changing you, working in you on the basis of faith by his grace. Not a new salvation. Not a new thing. What, what separated good Saul from bad Saul? Old Testament. Spirit of the Lord. Well, yeah, that when the spirit faith. of the Lord abide upon abide uh, abided it, 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 it. yeah, I'm stuck here. <laughs> when the spirit of the Lord was abiding, since I can't speak, was abiding upon him, we got good Saul, didn't we? Yes. When the spirit of the Lord does not abide on him for blessing, but for torment, we got bad yeah. Saul. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this was David's cry: "Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me." Right. Right. I mean, this is this has been the thing from the very beginning. Yeah. And Jesus doesn't give them any other out. And he was saying, for this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. Mm. Now, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. 
and you can read the rest of that because it's not it's not well it's not, I'm not gonna say it's not relevant, but it's not exactly in line with where I'll, where we're gonna go today. Mm-hmm. Because this is this is an interesting little discussion point for me because I think this is commensurate with what Jesus does throughout his ministry, which is he finds where people are most vulnerable isn't the word most solidified, and that's where he attacks. So the rich young ruler wants to follow him. Well, sell everything. I can't do that. (laughs) I mean, I can do a lot, but I can't. He's meatloaf. You know, I would do anything for love, but I can't. But I won't do that. Yeah. (laughs) That is an awesome song. It is. That's that. That actually is my favorite song of all time. I have that album, and the radio version does it no justice. The album cut is a twelve-minute operatic masterpiece. I love that song. It is phenomenal. But anyway, yeah, it was sad to see him go. (laughs) So, so, uh, quality musician and food item. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Who would have thought? He was a genius. There you go. So, what in the world are we talking about? It isn't meatloaf, I promise. On Valentine's Day, Gordon College. All right, time out. I stuck this on the bottom here because I thought this was important. This is from the Gordon College website. I didn't make this up. This is what they said about themselves. Gordon College is one of the nation's premier Christian colleges and located just north of Boston. We offer students extraordinary access to leading-edge opportunities for intellectual, professional, and leadership development to address the increasingly complex challenges of a global society. Gordon stands apart from other outstanding institutions in New England by combining an exceptional education with an informed Christian faith. Mm. Okay, let's see how that plays out here. Okay, so that, again, I didn't say that about them. <laughs> I know it They said that yep. about themselves. Right. So, Gordon College welcome speaker Marvin Daniels. Full disclosure, I have no idea what a Marvin Daniels is. I've never heard of a Marvin Daniels. I had neither till Put a gun to my head and gave me a choice between Marvin Daniels and somebody else, and I did, I'd have to flip a coin. Marvin is the executive director of community development organization, the Hope Center. Once again, an organization I have never heard of. Per its official website, the Missouri nonprofit trains high school, middle school, and elementary students from over 15 campuses across the city in servant leadership and character development. Okay. All right. Sounds good. I'm with you. I get it. You know, okay. So you have a ministry into the school system. Awesome. Good deal. Marvin's appearance was part of the Massachusetts Christian School's Deep Faith Week. Sounds like the Discovery Channel's Shark Week, but for Christian colleges. (laughs) Shark Week. Okay. Doesn't it? Okay. In his address, I mean, this guy's got to be fairly well known that some school outside of Boston called up a dude in misery, which is the official pronunciation of that state. Is it? It is now. It, I've, de- yeah. I've decided for years. It's, it's misery. It's misery. It's misery. So, yeah. In his address, he called to biblical living. That would make sense for a dude whose entire ministry is centered on high school, middle school, and elementary school students. In servant leadership and character development. You would, that would biblical. be a call to biblical living. Yep. Okay? Yep. Based in Second Corinthians, our former president's favorite book, 2 Corinthians. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never letting that go. <laughs> yeah, he didn't know how to refer hey, to it. Hey, give him credit. At least he can name a book, right? Yeah, that's right. Wasn't like, you know, third hesitations or something like that. <laughs> so based in Second Corinthians, his talk touched on an adolescent hotspot, sexual morality. Ooh. All right. Would I have gone there? Probably not. But... 
if I was the director of a misery nonprofit centered around character development in school-aged peoples from elementary to high school, and you invited me to a New England Christian college, full disclosure, I was born in New England. I have many still New England sensibilities. Those people are pagans. (laughs) (laughs) Flat out. Even half the Christians are pagans. The modern New England mindset is the same as the New England mindset has always been. Shut up and leave me alone. Hmm. I mean, that's you want to summarize New England. Because remember, New York is not New England. New York is a mid-Atlantic state, and anyone from New England will tell you such. Okay. So the answer, the, the New England motto is shut up. And leave me alone. This goes all the way back to the Revolution. If you actually read um, George Washington's uh, notes on the Revolution, he because George Washington was a Virginian, remember, okay, and a fairly wealthy one, he remarked numerous times how aggravating it was to work with the New England Volunteers because they were just they would show up and they would like be done, and when it was time for them to go home, they would just pack up their stuff and go home. Right. So like like the the North Carolina regiments or the Pennsylvania regiments or the Virginia regiments, like when it was time for them to leave, they'd show up and be like, all right, we're going home, our hitch is up. And then you'd have a chance to try to convince them or talk them out of it or offer them more money. A lot of the New Englanders, like my hitch is up on Tuesday, like Monday night, they just pack up their stuff and leave. Like there's no negotiations, no buy, like entire regiments would just go home and go back to their farms in the middle of fighting a battle. Like, while you were lined up against the British, if it was time to go home and pick a crop, they would just pack up and go home and pick their crops because they needed to go pick their crops. This is a New England mindset since before this country was a country. Their mindset is shut up and leave me alone. (laughs) I mean, is it it New Hampshire? The state motto is literally live free or die. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, I have to look that up. It's either New Hampshire or Vermont. I can't remember, which, by the way, the official pronunciation is Vermont. 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 Oh my god. I'm learning so much today, boys. <laughs> so I mean, so if if I was a sort of Midwestern, sort of southern state like Missouri, and I was concerned and you were bringing me to a New England college, I could see the argument that says, you know what? Let's tackle the biggest cultural issue these kids are gonna face when they go into the real oh, world. I was just gonna say that. I mean, this is this is like the Holy grail of issues, man. So, again, would I have gone there? Probably not. Do I understand why he went there? Yes. We've got individuals that say, I feel like I'm a female, and they get a chance to participate in female activities. Back in the day, I wish that would work. I I, I would have been saying, I feel like a female, so I could get into the girls' locker room. I don't know why he went there like that. but I do. But you know what? He's absolutely right. That's what's going on. If you had given me that option as a 16-year-old pagan high school kid. Sure. Sure, Hey, I'm a chick today. Why are you a chick today? Because homegirl is changing. (laughs) Well, this has happened. I mean, I know. And a young young girl was was raped. And any dude who's going, that's just terrible. You're an awful human being. Yes. I'm aware of that. Mm -hmm. And me at 16, rank pagan unsaved. Was yeah. an awful human being. Can I let you in on a little secret about all the other pagans on the planet? Same thing. They're awful human beings too. He's going there. If, now, here's my thing. This is where I'm going to give him credit. If you're going to go there, go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't pull any punches. For Don't sure. because this is this is why I wanted to start where we started with Jesus. Jesus went there because of the teaching that was going on in the crowd, and when they challenged him on it, he went. He doubled down. On exactly. It. Yeah. 
So he continues, our sexual behaviors are being corrupted and co-opted. Fact check? True. Mm -hmm. We've got individuals commingling what God has said with what the culture has said. Oh, man. Slap you in the face. Nailed it. Yep. I like I liked some of the stuff he said here. I mean... Uh, Isn't this what the pagan culture does? Isn't this what Jesus was confronting? Is you're not able to understand this teaching because you're coming at it from what perspective? A cultural understanding. A cultural understanding. His complaint yeah. is too many Christians are doing what? Trying to merge the Bible yeah. with the culture. Yeah. It's amazing to see that even in the church, my Christian brothers are out there treating young ladies like they're urinals. Oof, man. Again, fact check. True. True. Yeah, yeah. And I am concerned about that. I'm concerned about my Christian sisters who dress like they're desserts on a menu, and then they get upset when a brother wants to place an order. Wow. <laughs> Fact check. True. Yeah. I had this card. I've told you this before. I think I've mentioned it on here before. I've, I was, when I was a youth pastor, I had a dad tell me that the advice he had given his 16-year-old son was not to take any of his relationships too seriously. Because you're going to date a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, that was my reaction. I had another guy when I was talking to a, um, a girl who was looking at going to college because she was graduating high school in a few months. Mm -hmm. And I told her, I said, you want advice, plain and simple? I mean, I know your dad has a good job and you can afford stuff and you, know, you can pay for things, but um, stick around. Go to community college. Stay at home as long as you can. Save some money. Be a blessing to your parents in that regard. And make sure you're grounded in what you want to do before you start forking over ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a year at a university. Yeah. And I had a deacon in the church go, "Yeah, but kids need that college experience." Oh my! Yeah, do you know what happens in these places? It's like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the merging of biblical and cultural values. Yeah, they forget. They forget they were called out of that. And that's, and that's exactly that. what he's talking about. Right now. Because this is a Christian college, the nation's premier Christian college, with an combining an exceptional education with an informed Christian faith, these Christians thought and evaluated and measured what he said and then determined what would be an appropriate application for their lives. Some students didn't appreciate the dress down. In an email to the college fix, Vice President of External Relations Rick Sweeney laid it out. While the source material was biblically grounded and very appropriate for a chapel service, Marvin's rhetorical style and illustrations, which may have been intended to connect with a younger audience, had the exact opposite effect. The Deep Faith series was set to serve three more messages by Marvin Daniels, but evidently Gordon College hadn't wanted him to go very deep. Therefore, the college canceled his remaining engagements. Students were so, so offended, they'd organized a walkout for his planned second appearance. Wow. As described by an Instagram account, Gossip Girl Gordon, <laughs> protesters were prepared to show Gordon that they cannot continue inviting someone who will spread more hate than love. We've been infiltrated. <laughs> infiltrated? We've been conquered. Yes. That's not an infiltration. The mm. calls are coming from inside the house. Right. This is the exceptional education with an informed Christian faith. Informed by the pagan community. Yes. Right. Now, again, would I have gone there? No. If you're going to go there with college students, though, this is how it's done. You take on the culture how? Brutally honestly. Yeah, you, you can't pull any punches. 
I don't, I don't see what he did was wrong, and I, I know the crowd he was supposed to be addressing, and he, who he was trying to equip, and and I think that was a good, noble thing to do. But this is something I think that should be done at home too. Agreed. Now here's my thing. Yeah. This is you want to you want to know why I tell you Ecclesiastes is always in effect. Okay. That there is nothing new under the sun. Right. Jesus is the crowd's problem with Jesus was what that the mix of prophetic and apocalyptic and sacrificial language that he's using. The Son of Man title, the sacrifice of the blood, the imagery of a sacrifice for sins, life in the spirit, all of these things goes right over their heads and splats against the wall behind them Mm. because they can't be bothered to put his words into a biblical grid because they're too busy putting his words into a cultural grid. Whether that culture is biology or whatever it is you want to utilize, they can't stop stepping on their own feet to actually understand. It's as the great prophet Wesley Snipes once said. Oh, my. You can listen to Jimmy, but you can't hear Jimmy. Oh, what was that from? White Men Can't Jump. Okay. Which is an awful movie, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Rosie Perez and her 27 F-bombs a scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was filthy. Remember, remember she was a thing for like five minutes? Yeah. But anyway. But that's literally what's going on. They can listen to the words of Jesus, but they can't hear the words of Jesus. It's, it's as Paul says, to this day, whenever Moses is read, the veil remains. Mm-hmm. Give them eyes to see and ears to hear, but these folks didn't well, see Well, this is what Jesus hear. says. Surely Isaiah was right about you, that you know, people seeing but not understanding, or hear, seeing and not seeing, but hearing and not understanding. Yeah, for sure. Seeing and not perceiving. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, this is, this, that was their problem. Now, fast forward mm. to 2022 at an air quotes Christian college, and what are, what's the problem? They're, they can't be bothered to take a message that is biblically grounded and applied to a cultural issue. They can't read it through a biblical lens because they're too busy reading it through a cultural lens. They've compromised the gospel. <laughs> Gordon College needs to repent. Jesus' crowd did. (laughs) I'm just going to say that. uh, No, I agree. Now, what would be your response to the crowd of John 6? You have compromised the gospel. What do you need to do? Right. Which is what is is Jesus' entire ministry? Yeah. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, right? See, it's almost like the more things change, the more they stay the same. I think so. And this is the problem. Now, why, why do I tell you all this? One, I just thought this was just hysterical that a Christian is canceled and removed from a speaking engagement because he was, wait for it, Christian. He was too Christian for the Christians. And the Christians who were listening to him were like, that's hateful. What's hateful? That we actually want to define ourselves in biblical categories? That we actually want to define a biblical morality? That we are shocked that we live according to the world and that we get reactions according to the world? Now, look, if you want to argue with him about his concept of modesty, then do that. But you know what you better bring? better bring Bible verses. And you better actually— Contextually— yeah. And you better be able to... Now, look, I will have that conversation because I actually think the Christian... Okay, we don't have time for this, so I'm going to say this quickly, and if you want to, we'll debate this another day. I don't mean debate like you and I, but our modern biblical understanding of modesty is broken uh-huh. because it removes too much emphasis from the heart and places it on the external action. So modesty... No, I can agree with what you're modesty saying. Modesty and chastity are defined in actions rather than motivations 
Now, we could flesh that out at a later date. Now, if you want to have that argument with him and say, okay, what do you mean these girls are dressing like desserts? That's an implication as to their motives. Let's have that conversation. But that's not what's going on here. That's, I'm offended, and he needs to be canceled, yeah. Why? Because they don't want to listen to this. They don't want to hear about it offends the, their sensibilities. It's, yes, it's and a their, cultural reaction. And to their sensibilities biblical, are defined by what? By their culture. Exactly. Right. It's, See, it, my re- my critique, and again, I, I haven't listened to it, so my, I'm, I'm guessing here. If I was going to have a critique, my critique would be more aligned in exegetical and heart basis. In other words, I understand how you got to where you got from where you started. My thing is I think maybe there should be a different emphasis. But he and I would both then be debating on what? The application of the text not the cultural sensibilities that have been offended. Yeah, and I think our kids, they don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I, and I, I wasn't... And I, <laughs> I, I know you don't. I know it. You know, but I don't know... I, I wasn't there to see the delivery of it. I don't know how how he delivered it. All I can do is read what was said. Agreed. So I, I don't know why it would have come across offensive other than these people have compromised the gospel given to us in scripture, you know, like you said, from start to finish, one message, it it doesn't change. Our hearts are the ones that have to change. And if they haven't, and they reject the message that they've been given, it's because they have rejected the gospel. And I say, and I don't care if he delivered it like Andrew Dice Clay in a 1992 stand-up. That's, that's what I'm picturing. Hang on. Can, can, we, can we do that? Can I, can I channel my inner New York? Hold on. We got individuals that say... <laughs> I feel like I'm female. And they get a chance to participate in female activities. Back in the day, I wish that would work. I'd have been saying, I feel like a female, so I could get into the girls' locker room. Come on now. Is that worse? I can almost see it. Yeah. It's amazing to see that even in the church, my Christian brothers out there treating young ladies like the urinals. Urinals. Mm. And I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about my Christian sisters. Sounds like a wise guy. Dressed like they're desserts on a menu. And then they get upset when a brother wants to place an order. Okay, does that make it more offensive? I don't think it makes it less offensive. It doesn't make it more offensive. I don't think it's Because I don't think it's offensive. offensive. If you're, this, is my, this is my old line. Well, it's not mine, but I'm claiming it is mine now. Throw a rock into a pack of dogs. Which one did you hit? The one that yelped. If you're a woman in that audience and you are offended... Yeah. But your OnlyFans look like, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> that'd be, it, it, would that be a lot of, would that not be a legitimate question? No. Oh, because yeah. isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that the problem? And isn't that exactly what he's talking about? You're more offended that someone would ask you to take into consideration God when you put clothes on than you are, you're, you're more offended by that question than you are whether or not you're actually considering God. That's a brokenness. That's a cultural inform. That's a cultural mindset informing your biblical standards, rather than what should be the truth, which is the other way around. Your biblical understanding informing your cultural applications. Man, I don't know what the college was thinking. I, I mean, I would have allowed him to speak for the engagements and let the people walk out if they want. Um, it, they they just showed that they they're compromising with the culture. Hey, I got a better idea, college. Why don't you, and I know this is a radical thought here, mm-hmm. this is a college, right? Right, right? These are intelligent, Christian, air quotes, people, right? Right. Why don't you take your deep faith series 
and turn his second presentation into a town hall. Let the students come in orderly. Email questions ahead of time to make sure that they're heard. Get a moderator. Give the kids microphones so they can orderly one at a time, ask questions, planned out, and let them answer. Let the debate happen. Let them answer questions and clarify. Wouldn't that be how Christians should handle something like this? Is not by canceling him and shining darkness, but by actually illuminating the issue, allowing him to say, you know what? I was a little harsh. And I don't know you guys, and I went off cultural assumptions, and so this is what I did, and this is what I did. Or maybe he comes in and goes, I said what I said, and I meant it. Mm-hmm. And here's why. And wouldn't you – I'd buy tickets to that. Oh, sure. I'd watch that. I'd listen to it. That'd get a million hits on YouTube, and Gordon College could be the hero. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're the villain because, yeah. oh, the precious little snowflakes are melting because someone actually preached some biblical truth to them. <gasps> Now, you know, I said even half the Christians in New England are pagans. Yeah. This didn't surprise me. When, I'm reading. Oh, when I was reading that they were north of Boston, I was like, yeah, this is not going to end well. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I don't know anything about the culture up there. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's a mess. I mean, I've been to Virginia only for training at Fort Belvoir, um, but I don't know really anything about the culture. It's, it's a mess. And, it's a, and the problem is it's, it's becoming a mess everywhere because – and keep in mind, New England was, again, the first biblically informed culture on this continent. Hmm. I mean you're talking about – Puritans or something. Yeah, yeah, Puritans and Roger Williams, and I always my, – my favorite part of this is always, you know, Harvard was founded to do what? To train pastors to evangelize the Indians. Wow. That's what Harvard was existing. Now look at them. Yeah. I mean, when you think Ivy League, you think bastions of paganism Ouch. and liberalism, right? Yeah. They were all founded as seminaries. Mm-hmm. All of them. Yep. Every single one of them. Now they all deny mosaic authorship of yeah. the Torah. The first, and... the first seven presidents of yeah. Princeton University were Presbyterian pastors. Where are they now? Jonathan Edwards okay. was a president of Princeton. How far we've fallen. Yeah. This is the brokenness, again, because why? Culture informs our Christianity rather than the other way around. So if you're offended, well, then evaluate why. Evaluate what you're going to do about it. But this is what's got to go into Christianity on a daily basis, is you evaluating all the corners of your life so that you can determine what? Is this surrendered to God or not? And if it's not, start fighting. And that's what's not going on. Yeah, for sure. All right, so what have we learned here today, children? God calls his people. We must stand where God has placed us. And we can't do that in a wishy-washy fashion either. And then finally, the world doesn't want to hear it. The world does not want to hear it. Under penalty of death, they don't care. They want you to sit down and shut up. Don't do it, Christian. Stand where Jesus stood. Proclaim truth. Even if they don't like it, stand on Scripture. Right. Until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.